What's up, guys? Rick here with the DFS preview for this week's American Express. Happy Monday to you, and what a Monday it's been. John Rahm withdraws from this tournament, uh, which threw my my morning into flux a little bit with uh, everything going on. But more on that in just a few minutes. A couple of housekeeping items before we jump into this preview. Uh, there are two live chats this week. Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time, right here on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. That's one. That is our final chance for question and answer, ownership projections, whatever you want to talk about over the course of an hour. Join me for that. And then that same evening, Wednesday evening, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time is the American Express Jock Market Power Hour. Stock Market DFS. Lots of money to be made. I know a lot of you are playing along. It is a ton of fun. It is one of the best concepts for fantasy that I've encountered in quite some time, and it is very beatable no matter what your bankroll is. We're going to do an hour, myself and Joe Idoni, who is at TorPix on Twitter, where we go through strategy, uh, live trading, and then we kind of recap after that IPO phase closes. It's absolutely phenomenal. Check that out. So two live chats. Uh, additionally, I've got winners for rickrungood.com subscriptions from last week, Terp Dad and Jesse Shea. Congratulations. I'll get in touch with you, give you a one-month subscription to rickrungood.com. That's where all of these golf tools that you see in this video and in all the videos that I do, that's where they're coming from. My database, my tools, my visualizations, all that good stuff. Uh, if you would like to be entered in a draw to win a month subscription to rickrungood.com, there are two ways to enter. If you're here on YouTube, like the video, obviously. Be subscribed to the Rick Run Good YouTube channel, obviously. And comment below with your favorite golfer under $9,000 this week on DraftKings. That's right. Uh, the other way, leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast version of this show. It's called 300 Yards to Unknown. I'll link it in the description. Leave a five-star rating and review. Say something nice about the show. Leave me your Twitter handle. Boom. That's another way to get in. Do them both. Double your chances. Get a subscription to rickrungood.com. I guess that's it. Let's jump into this week's not course, but courses. Let's do it. All right. So I got to tell you, I mean, this morning, uh, you know, the ROM news comes out like 15 minutes after DraftKings salaries are released. Uh, ROM withdraws from this event. No other indication why he played a couple of weeks ago in uh, Hawaii at the Tournament of Champions. Certainly not going to speculate anything. So we'll see if we can get any more information. And then, you know, I've been going through these, all, all of the tools over the course of, um, you know, the last couple of weeks and months. And I, I honestly, I think I over automated things, it, you know, because if one thing, if you throw one piece of sand into the motherboard, the whole thing fries. I think I've actually over automated. I think I need to back it up a little bit, but just took me forever to get everything out this morning with all of that going on. But it is time to talk about golf and the American Express is going to look a bit different than what you might remember from the past couple of years. First off, there are no amateurs in this field. There is also because of that not going to be a third course. This used to be a three-course rotation, and they used to play 54 holes and then make a cut. That's wiped. It's going to be similar to what we do at Torrey Pines, which a two-course rotation is in play. So La Quinta, that's gone. If you watch The Bachelorette, that's where they had that, that resort. She gone. That course is no longer in the rotation, so it's just going to be the stadium course, which is the host course, and it's going to be the Nicholas Tournament course. So again, 
That Wednesday live chat, if you want to go through waves, hey, which wave is going to be better? Do I want to play Nicholas on Thursday or Nicholas on Friday? We can talk through that. Join me on Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, But for now, we're going to look at the stadium course. That's the host course. It's where these guys are going to play three of their four rounds, assuming they make the cut. It's a par 72 still on Bermuda, and it is, of course, a Pete Dye design. Say that five times fast. And as much as I love the uh, course correlation, Uh, And this model, you have to remember, this event has featured usually three courses in the rotation. So there is not as much to glean this week from, uh, for example, compared to last week where we've had the Sony Open being, you know, obviously the only course in play, or excuse me, Wi-Li being the only course in play for the Sony Open and being the only course for that event since its inception. That's the best in terms of course history, in terms of this regression model. I think this is still handy because it will show some guys that might be able to adapt a bit but remember, a little bit different this year. It's a unique event in its in its own right. Um, and I have it listed as Desert Classic here, which, I mean, this course, this event changes names every year. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. You know, it's, it was the Humana. It was the Career Builder. Uh, Bob Hope It was the Desert Classic. Now it's the American Express. So I'll have to update that. But if you're looking for this on the tools, it's it's listed under under Desert Classic. Um, and, and to me, because we get the, the, the two-course rotation, what this event has has usually been about is, is birdies. Um, and I know that birdie or better percentage is actually one of the lowest common stats. But again, not as much weight on these as as a normal week. Uh, you got to go low here. Historically, you have to go low to win this golf tournament. This is this event. I think used to be five rounds, and they used to play five rounds, which is crazy. Uh, obviously, it's been four for quite some time. But uh, you got to go low. You got to score. And unfortunately, uh, or or fortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, we can go over to the cheat sheet. John Rahm, the number one player. Uh, in this field, the number two player in the, in the world has withdrawn. So don't get confused by this. And actually, I might just remove him from this cheat sheet by the time you guys see this video. Um, because John Rahm opened at $11,500 on DraftKings. And within 15 minutes, the news had broke that he had withdrawn. So already, we are entering a world where Patrick Cantlay at only $11,100 is your most expensive golfer. Brooks Kepka 10-8. Tony Finau 10-5. Patrick Reed 10-2. So what do we do with the top half of this board? And let's focus on the man who is now the headliner, which is Patrick Cantlay. And I got to tell you, uh, everybody had a weird year in 2020. Cantlay's year was kind of even weirder uh, because remember, he took a couple of weeks off before the Players' Championship to have surgery on the deviated septum, right? He He played Genesis, I think was his last start, and then he took time off. And then, of course, everybody lost the 91 days. So it was like a really shortened season for Patrick Cantlay. And it was mostly a throwaway until the end of the year where he goes out and he wins the Zozo, right? Absolutely stacked field. He wins that at Sherwood Country Club. He follows it up with a T-17 at the Masters and then a T-14 at the Tournament of Champions two weeks ago. And you start to look at this and go, wow, you know, he has been absolutely on a roll. And it goes back a lot further than that. You know, I, I tweeted this out. Um, so if you if you saw this on Twitter this morning, in, in Patrick Cantlay's last 32 starts, so 32 starts dating back to what would have been the ma- the 2019 Masters. He's missed one cut and he's won twice. Twice as many wins as missed cuts in that time frame. That's worldwide. Uh, the only missed cut was the Northern Trust at the end of 
the 2020 playoffs there just a handful of starts ago, but he has been low-key, really solid, and also flashing that winning upside. So I, I, I'll tell you what, I don't know. I haven't started building lineups yet, of course, but as we as we go through this and we see what the ownership is over the course of the week, Patrick Cantlay, uh, who I know is not always a popular option because he's kind of boring and nobody really loves the guy or anything like that. Um, I'll be interested interested to see what that ownership is because it's seeming like he's going to be a really good play. And he finished ninth here the last time that he played it, which was two years ago. So I'm pretty stoked to get Patrick Cantlay in some lineups. And that is probably a sentence I've never uttered before in my life. If I can only have one of the, the one of the 10K guys, I'm happy to make it Cantlay, especially because he is the discount off of John Rahm, who is no longer in the field. Uh, huge question marks around Brooks Kepka and what his his year is going to look like. Tony Finau, always question marks there, right? And and it's seemingly he's seemingly becoming more volatile. You know, the 31st at the Tournament of Champions, but an eighth at Mayakoba, then a 38th at the Masters. I mean, just like you net there's not really a great spot for him. I think some weeks he's just going to play well, some weeks he's not and and there's not going to be much of a lead in a lead into that. And, and we're not going to know when it's coming. Um and then Patrick Reed who I actually I actually like in this spot. You know, he he was planning on playing the Sony uh, last week and withdrew, which I think he had like blisters or shin splints. He was just dealing with something going on uh, back in the field this week. And, uh, you know, he is one of these guys. Like you have to get really hot to win an event like this. And and Patrick Reed is certainly capable of getting that hot. So I, I like Reed there, but I would still give the nod to Cantlay if I could only play one of these guys at the top of the board. Scooting down to the 9K range, uh, you I, I would be very close. If Patrick Cantlay, for whatever reason, comes in at 25%, 30% ownership, something like that, when we look at this again on Wednesday, uh, you could probably convince me to start my lineups here with maybe a Sung J.M. Matthew Wolf combination. Maybe it's a Matthew Wolf Scotty Scheffler combination. Two of those three guys. Uh, I think that's a really interesting way to start. I don't know how popular it's going to be, obviously, recording this on a Monday. But let's focus on Sung J.M. to begin. And I want to look back at the live leaderboard from last week. This is, uh, again, on rickrungood.com. You can go check this out every single uh, week. It updates live. It's free throughout the tournament. I love it. Uh, and we can look at what Sung J did. And he's right here. And there's a couple of different takeaways from this. He loses three strokes on approach uh, last week, which is not ideal, but still finds a way to make the cut, finish in a tie for 56. So if we're saying, okay, how often is he going to lose three strokes on approach? Well, we can go look at um, some of his uh, some of his numbers here in the Holy Grail, and we can sort by tournament, and we can scroll down and say, okay, so here he is last week losing three strokes on approach. He's not lost that much on approach since the BMW Championship. That's like 10 starts ago. So basically in seven of his last 10 starts, he's gained strokes in the category. When he loses, he's not losing nearly as much as three I don't think he's going to ball strike it that poorly around these two courses. I think he's a really good guy to kind of buy here because I also think he eats up um, more of the win equity than some of these other guys thanks to John Rahm exiting this field. Sung J.M. can win. We saw that at Honda in 2020. I, I think this is a really interesting bounce back opportunity for someone who was fairly popular last week, got a lot of play in one and done pools. He got a lot of play in in in. DFS circles and didn't really pay off, right? The 56th would have been very disappointing if you had rostered him. And he goes back to the California desert where he's got a 12th place finish and a 10th place finish in his last two starts. This to me feels like an absolutely great 
buy back in on on Sung JM situation. And then the other guy here who I mentioned, Matthew Wolf, you know, it's funny what what perception does to us because Matthew Wolf has not played since the Masters. We haven't seen him since November. Uh, but if you start looking at his results that I'll pull up here for you, and, and that miscut at the Masters is obviously ugly. He didn't play all that well at the Zozo Championship. But if you go back to the restarter, at least since the Rocket Mortgage, that's when he finished runner-up to Bryson. So he's got a runner-up there. He finishes fourth at the PGA Championship. He's got another runner-up to Bryson at the U.S. Open. He's got another runner-up at the Shriners. I mean, he was in contention constantly. Three runners up over the course of what his last 10 12 events something like that maybe a little bit more maybe 15 events uh but either way you know remember he went a full year after he won the 3m open to his next top 10 that's never happening again right like the guy's never going a full year between top 10s ever again he's he's, he's peppering the top of the leaderboard and he has that ability to get hot he has that ability to use the weapon that is the driver in the bag i really like wolfie and then you go back down to you know the bottom of the nines and here's answer again i got burned on answer last week a lot of us got burned on answer last week but again let's look up how often does he actually miss cuts because my perception is that he doesn't miss a lot of cuts let's see so here are his results. So missed cut at Sony, which we know about, and a missed cut at the Northern Trust. That was his last missed cut. So it was 10 starts prior. And then if you go back further than that, it's been a while. He he hadn't he has missed two cuts since the 2019 CJ Cup. Think about that. That's a long time ago. Uh so he is not a prolific missed cutter. I don't know what you would call that. And, you know, he he plays poorly at the Sony last week. Unfortunately, that should have been a really good spot for him. You know, we know this event has been a good spot for him. He finished second here last year. And I want to pull up the Holy Grail here because I think this is important to note a few things. So I'm actually going to pull up um, the 2020 version of the Sony. So, or I'm sorry, I, not, not the Sony, the American Express. My brain is still stuck on Sony. So here we go. So American Express 2020, we're going to sort this by strokes gain total. And what you're going to realize is, okay, so Abraham Answer led the field in strokes gain total last year, but did not win the event. How did that happen? Well, remember the shot link data is only on the stadium course. So that means what you're seeing in any of the tools that have, you know, the individual strokes gain categories, that is based uh, solely on the stadium course. It's the only one of the courses with lasers. So what this reads then is in his two rounds, Abraham Answer gained over 11 strokes on, on, on the field in his two rounds at the stadium course, which was best in the field. If you just look at Tita Green, he was second in the field in his two rounds at the stadium course behind only Grayson Murray, believe it or not. Uh, so, so, you know, you, you kind of try to extrapolate that, right? It's only two rounds. Now he's going to get, in theory, three rounds there this year with the way that they're going to do the course rotation. Might be a really good spot for him. So I really do like using the Holy Grail, using uh, this tool from last year to focus in on guys who had success at the stadium course uh, because they're going to get more cracks at it this time around, which should be interesting. You know, you could sort by uh, putting if you wanted to. So putting last year, Putnam, Answer, Shank, Steele, Hadley, they all putted well on their two rounds at the stadium course. So I, I'm willing to give Abraham Answer one more crack at this. Uh, one more crack before, I mean, I'm not going to give up on him. I'm not really that type of guy, but like, I, I'd be surprised if he struggles again. 
Historically, that hasn't been the case. Down into the 8K range, and someone tweeted me, I wish I had it handy, uh, like, are we are we done with Lonto sub 7K, like having that decision? Maybe. He's 8,600 bucks. Uh, books might have gotten smart on him, which in turn then, the Daily Fantasy sites are getting a bit smarter on him. He's $8,600. Uh, now he's getting uh, firmly into the position of fine, right? He's fine. I'll play him. I'm not super excited about it. I'm not avoiding him. I think he's starting to be more fairly priced. Uh, used to be a lock under 7K, uh, and you would just avoid him when he was over over 7K. You know, it's I don't think we're gonna have those decisions much longer. Um, Paul Casey's kind of interesting. I clicked Phil Mickelson. I meant to click Paul Casey. He told us essentially how tired he was in the midst of that stretch of golf last year, where he had to play like seven straight weeks, and he had a runner-up at. I guess it had to be the PGA championship during that stretch. And then and then into the playoffs, because it was just a sprint. And he was, I mean, he's, he used the word gas. That's what he told us. Um, uh, played well during that stretch. Played okay after that. You know, he made the cut at the Masters. He finished 38th. He finished 35th at the Zozo. It's like whatever. Casey, to me, is at least interesting as the one guy in the 8K range that has a lot of upside. Right. I mean, he's like 27th in the world, 28th in the world, something like that, uh, where it's all about the putter. Right. If he if he if he's a zero putter for the week, watch out. Uh, I think that's a really good situation for him to be in. Of course, I think he puts his name on the first page of the leaderboard, but that's really what it's coming down to with Paul Casey. But the guy that I'm probably most excited about uh, is Sam Burns. And let's let's do the let's do the profile again, because I think this is worth it. Sam Burns is a player. Um I like the weapons that he has, which is the driver. So we can look at his we can look at his strokes gain metrics. But he is uh, this season, 2021 season, obviously smaller sample size, third on tour. I put up two fingers; it should have been three. Third on tour uh, in strokes gained off the tee, behind only Bryson DeChambeau and Rory McIlroy. Pretty good list of guys to be behind. Okay, so that's that's a good start. Then you look at what he's done recently. Well, uh, if you want to go back to the Wyndham, he had a 13th place at the Wyndham. I think he was in the lead at one point there. He might have coughed that one up. Uh, T7 at the Safeway, T7 in Houston. So he's got two top 10s this season. He's got two top 7s this season. The last time we saw him was November at in Houston. That's over two months ago. Are people just like, I'm out. Like, I, I forgot Sam Burns exists. Maybe because he opened up at like 85 to 1. I bet him there. Um, and I don't know if he's going to win this golf tournament. It's unlikely that he does. Uh, but not only does he have those really good finishes, not only does he have that weapon, but you look at what he's done here. He's played this event twice, 18th and 6th. I do believe there is something to mentally and physically handling the course rotation right? Even, even more so with three courses that you're dealing with, um, to deal with multiple courses in a week, it's more research, it's more practice rounds. It's, it's kind of learning it on the fly. It's all that stuff, right? It's why, I mean, like, like you look at Adam Hadwin, who's been so successful over the years at this event. It's, it's unbelievable that that is a testament to a really sharp, uh, agile type of golfer that not everybody is. And I think that even with, with two results, Sam Burns might be that guy. So at, at the bottom of the eights, uh, where I do think a lot of people are going to opt for an Adam Hadwin, a Brian Harmon, or even a Siwoo Kim, uh, believe it or not. Actually, Siwoo Kim shot like the highest opening round here, or the highest round like ever recorded here. He shot like an 87 in the opening round before withdrawing last year, um, which is kind of interesting. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that that Burnsy is really interesting in in the spot that he's at. 
We jump down to the sevens. Um, has everyone got their bet in on Doc Redman already? Uh, obviously, I'm biased. Really like the guy. He's obviously come on on the pod a couple of times, and he's and he's great. Uh, but also a big fan of his game. And he's 7,500. I think he's going to be one of those popular players uh, on this slate. Uh, he opened up at like a hundred. Uh, somewhat, he was like 145 to one in some places. He's got like three top tens in his last, I don't know, nine starts or something like that. Uh, great ball striker. But what I also think is interesting is I want to go over to the Holy Grail here because when we start to get down into the sub, you know, 7K or the 7K range, the 6K range, um, you know, we're looking for little little tidbits of guys, guys that can, that can might, might be able to pop off for a few reasons. And don't forget, this is a, a you know, the stadium course is a, is a Pete Dye design. So you can actually come in here and pop in Pete Dye and see guys who have played well on, on Pete Dye training tracks before and uh no surprise first of all Patrick Cantlay I've got to load in I've got to load in the um the field for this week but Patrick Cantlay uh of anybody who has a big enough a big, as big of a sample size as he does is the best on Pete Dye courses uh, he's gained 1.8 strokes uh per round over over the course of 40 rounds that's phenomenal stuff Adam Scott has more but he's only played 18 rounds and Adam Scott also not playing this week um you scroll down a little bit more, you start to get some more interesting names. Abraham Answer near the top of, of this list. 1.4 strokes gained per round at Pete Dye courses in 38 rounds. And then you go down to Doc. And Doc is uh, below Abraham Answer. He's just below Sergio Garcia and Matt Kuchar. And he hasn't played as much as those guys. He only has 16 rounds. But when you're talking about gaining 1.32 strokes per round... And 1.24 of them are from Tita Green. And his ball striking has been even better when you throw those two in. Um, yeah, it's it's been better than Brooks in the last six years. Okay, so Doc Redman, smaller sample size, but better than Brooks on Pete Dye courses. So I, I, I do my best every week. I don't really need to continue to to bang the the drum for Doc Redman. I think most of you are aware that uh, the upside is there. He's one of the first bets that I make every single Monday because I'm not I'm not going to miss the boat when he when he eventually wins. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at. But I thought it was interesting to kind of show you that on um, on on the Holy Grail there. Then you start to look at you know some of these guys from last week. You know Charlie Hoffman, seventy four hundred, played well last week. We can go back to. Uh, the leaderboard here and kind of see how he did it, right? So here's Charlie Hoffman. Uh, to his credit, a lot of it was from Tita Green. Charlie Hoffman fourth in the field from Tita Green last week behind only Hideki Matsuyama, Kevin Na, and Joaquin Neiman. So in theory, he should be able to keep that going this week. That's good to know. And I actually think that um, Brendan Steele's kind of interesting. Now, what always happens is the guy who quote-unquote should have won on Sunday is viewed as a disappointment. And, you know, if you would have told me Brendan Steele finished third before that event started, you would have been thrilled with that result. Um, so there's a little bit of a perception reality type of situation here, but he's only 7,300 bucks. He has played this event a ton, obviously should be in good form, just played to an event he should have probably won in Honolulu last week. And I don't think he's going to be very popular is, is kind of where I'm going with all of this. So, Steely, uh, down in the bottom of the seven K range is pretty interesting. Um, you know, I love this Peter Malnati. I, I don't, I, I have not looked this up. I, I rarely, you know, rarely do I do things on the fly here outside of like the live, the live chats, but he made, this guy made so many birdies last week. I'm going to assume, and I could be proven wrong in about five seconds here that he scored 
more fantasy points uh, than his finishing position. So let's let's find out. Uh, Peter Malnati is right. Oh man, I thought. Oh, here he's right here. Okay, he, so he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Okay, a little bit. He was the twelfth highest scoring player on DraftKings. He finished in a tie for fourteenth. So of and of the guys who also tied for fourteenth, uh, which was five of them, he scored more than every other guy who was tied for fourteenth. Because this guy is a psycho. This guy like will rattle off four bogeys in a row and then come back and make five birdies in a row. Like it's, it, it was unbelievable. Uh, I don't know if, if he can continue to do things like that, but my goodness, he's never out of it, which I love. Uh, I would go back to him again here. I, I had him in my, in my, you know, big single single entry lineup from last week. I like what I saw. He continues to have a really good start to the 2021 season. He's in a good spot right now. I, I think Malnati's very interesting at 7,200. I'm a sucker a bit um, for the unknown that is Francesco Molinari. So he only played seven times all last year. None of it was very good. He only played three times after the restart. Um, the the lone bright spot was the was his fifteenth at Houston. And I actually want to see again. I'm 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 going rogue here. Uh, let's see how he actually played in Houston. All right, so Houston Open 2021. I've got everything else cleared here, so this should just be the straight results. Here's Molinari. Oh, not as good as I thought. Well, it's okay. I mean, he gained strokes in every category. Uh, A little bit reliant on the short game. He gained two and a half strokes around the green, nearly three putting, but he did gain on approach, two strokes on approach, and he was a a small positive off the tee. So he gained strokes in all four categories. At least it wasn't too too, too ugly, but like, that's a really good sign. If I could get a a performance like that this week, uh, I'd love it. And I wonder if now Molinari, who, I mean, remember he was like moving his family to California. I assume they're all settled in at this point. Um, you know, this might be a really good spot for him to kind of, uh, refocus blank slate from, from, from last year, just wipe that whole thing out and go and take a run at a place that, that he's played well at before. I think he's got a 12th, a couple of years ago, and I think he's got another top 10 before that. Uh, so, so Molinari's pretty interesting, but that's the one, like, I might just be a sucker come Friday afternoon when this guy finishes dead last. I'm, I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, the six K range, you know, Denny's here, Denny McCarthy's here. Haven't seen him since Maya Coba. He missed two cuts down the stretch. Uh, not a great end to, uh, the 2020 year for McCarthy. But remember what I said before the tournament of champions, you know, I'm kind of resetting a lot of these guys who we haven't seen in a while back to their long-term form. And Denny is, uh, the best putter in the world. I think that's pretty clear. We saw a lot of improvement at the end of 2020 with the rest of his game. If he's able to kind of continue to hold on to that, make a bit of strides, in the last, I don't know, what's it been, five weeks, six weeks since we've seen him last? Um, at $6,900, I think that's really interesting at a place where you got to make a lot of birdies, you got to roll a lot of putts in, you know, it's it's going to be a birdie fest in all likelihood unless those uh, wins kick up, but uh, I, I don't see that happening. And and Denny McCarthy at 6900 is pretty interesting. Uh, I imagine we're not going back to Doug Gim. How did he actually play last week? He burned everybody. Burned everybody. Oh, boy. Pretty bad. Lost strokes off the tee. Lost strokes on approach. Uh, this this is that has been uncharacteristic of Gim's twenty twenty one. I will probably not go back to him, but I I couldn't blame. I, I'm very easy to forgive and forget, like a lot of people. So that so I, I I tend to go back to these guys more often than not. Um, Pat Perez did show us a bit of life last week. He was he was really bad at the end of twenty twenty. Um, 
made the cut last week, finished 32nd. I saw that he made a bunch of birdies one day. He's won this event before. It was when it was called the Bob Hope Classic. It was like five rounds. He's played it a lot, though. Um, so I, I, if I'm desperate, I'd, I'd consider Pat Perez. But I'm, again, not super stoked about it. And I'm not sure there's anybody down here that I'm really excited about. It's why they are in the uh, you know $6,000 range. You know, we can try to find somebody. Let's try to find somebody with the trends tool. I haven't shown this yet. So let's do um, fantasy points. I've got the field loaded in. So forget about John Rahm, uh, Patrick Reed, average draft Kings points, 69. Okay. So, you know, Cam Davis, good value, 7,700. I'm trying to find somebody in the 6K range. Here's Martin Laird. I will tell you, obviously his... Um, his average is very skewed because he won the Shriners at like he scored like 150 DraftKings points. But I, I mean, Laird, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that he's 6,900. Where else can we find a little bit of value? Akshay, so he's only got five starts. He's 6,500. Akshay Batia, uh, 58 DraftKings points is his average. That's uh, the second best of anybody under 7K. And then Austin Cook would be the third best, 6,700 dollars this week. 19 starts, averaging 58. DraftKings points in the process. So not super stoked about any of those guys, but uh, probably where I would go would be the top of the nines. Maybe forgive Gim, maybe Denny. Denny I'm fine with. Um, Maybe Pat Perez. I think that's about it. Akshay if I was super desperate. Uh, I saw somebody, I saw Martin trainer made the cut last week. Martin trainer made the cut. I'm going to look at his stats from last week real quick. So he's bare min. If you've been following along, Martin trainer has like missed every cut for a long time. Uh, I'll actually pull up his player profile because we've probably never talked about Martin trainer. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't kidding. Like cut, 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 cut. Like the last time he made a cut outside of last week, uh, was February Genesis invitationally finished 47th. He missed a bunch of cuts before that. I mean, the guys like literally yeah, it's, it's been really bad. Uh, so I saw he made the cut last week. I wanted to see, let's see how he actually played. I, I, I saw him chip in once, so I'm pretty sure, yeah, okay. Gained five strokes around the green, lost five strokes on approach. So uh, my my small hope of saying, oh, I can get a bare min uh, Martin Trainer who hit the ball well last week. Nope. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. It was a couple of chip ins, it looks like. Um, okay, let's do a custom model before we get out of here. And um, I've actually loaded in a, a bit more data. So it's a bit of a weighted combo between 2020 and 2021 stats uh, that go into this model. And this is actually a really tough one because, um, you know, th- last week we had such a strong key core stats, the correlation. It was so strong. And this week it's not. Um, so here's here's what I think. Uh, I'm going to do, I'm just going to kind of live with the the standard stuff here. So let's do T to green for 25. Let's do Burry or better for 25. Let's do, um, you know, distance is always, is always a benefit. Let's do 15 on distance. So I have 35 left. I do think it's going to take a bit of a guy who can, uh, get hot with the putter. So let's do 20 on putting and it leaves me with 15. This is a very unscientific way to do it, but let me, let me think 15 left. Let's do, to par 72. Let's do par fives. Let's try this and see what the model says. Again, I'm not very confident in what I just ran out there, uh, especially compared to last week, which was so amazing and the week before. But, well, let me sort by score instead of by alphabetical order. Oh, 
John Rahm was my top player. Yeah, I'm not going to play him. He's gone. Patrick Cantlay, number two. Okay. Finau, three. Reed, four. This is no surprises so far. Scotty Scheffler, five. Woodland is six. Uh, that is very generous to Gary Woodland, who gets a benefit from some of the stuff he did long term. Akshay, believe it or not, uh, who I just talked about, uh, $6,500 pops up for me. And then Cam Davis, who I love, by the way, Sung Jay and Sam Burns. I mean, this is so, you know, I, I would throw Woodland out. Uh, I, I know that I've been, I've been saying like, Hey, let these, let these guys get back to their long-term form. But what we saw from, from Woodland at the end of last year and the injuries, like I'm, I'm probably out for a while. Uh, Akshay, I'll probably take a deeper look into, into him because that's someone who probably not would not have made my player pool. Uh, the extra nod to Cam Davis here, you know, I already have, uh, a little bias towards Cam Davis. So the fact that the model helps out as well. Um, but, and Sungjae, I, I will probably, you know, if I can convince myself to start in the nine K range, I think it'll, I think it'll include Sungjae because I think he's going to be a really good bounce back candidate and he's, he's scoring out. Well, I don't think he loses three strokes on approach again. And then Sam Burns is there. So this is kind of fun. So as we go through this, I might, um, I might mess around with some lineups in the, in the starting in the nines and see what happens, see what I can get from there. But a lot of this is going to be dictated by ownership, which we're going to find out on, uh, well later in the week, but on Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. Uh, I will do a live chat, question, answer, ownership, all that good stuff. And then 8.15 p.m. Eastern time will be the Jock Market Power Hour, which will be a ton of fun as well. That's it. Sorry for the delay. I'll try to get out a little earlier next week. A lot of stuff going on on this Monday. Um, best of luck this week. Tweet me, at Rick Run Good. Leave a comment below. See ya.